want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. <laughs> COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel. But now there are vaccines and they are the very first step that let us get back to what we miss most. It's okay to have questions. Is it safe? Should I wait? Now, get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision when vaccines are available to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Here's today's STEM tip. Make your selfies look even better with science. Take your pics at golden hour right before the sun sets. The wavelengths made by the atmosphere create a perfect golden light for that beautiful face of yours. Learn more at Chic and STEM. A message from the Ad Council. Good Risings. What's up? It's Steph. The Good Risings podcast is a collection of six mini shows curated to give you a daily shot of inspiration, motivation, humor, relationship advice, and even astrology. You can choose to listen to one or all of the daily Good Risings offerings available on our feed. It's the perfect daily practice for anyone looking to lead a more intentional, mindful, and inspired life. Listen to Good Risings on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My baldness never bothered me as much as it seems to bother other people. Mm -hmm. They keep mentioning it. It's like, why are you talking about it? Is it fear? Are you afraid of this? It's like, it's no big jump in. The water is great. Hello and welcome to Bald Talk, the casted pod in which two bald comedians interview bald celebrities, bald badasses, bald beekeepers, really anyone who is bald, is going bald, thinking of going bald, bald adjacent about being bald. I'm Brian Husky and I am a baldy. I'm Charlie Sanders. I'm super bald. Brian, you'll see I'm very freshly shorn. I am down to the scalp. And I have gotten my first, yesterday I got my first super safe haircut in seven months. So (laughs) you were looking like a wizard. (laughs) Yeah. The wizard 70s professor desert drifter is gone (laughs) and all the sort of negative feelings I was having around it. Yeah. It's an emotional thing. (laughs) It really is. Like my girlfriend got one too. And we were both just like reveling in how much more healthy we felt. Sleeker. You know. I felt like our income level went up slightly, you know, <laughs> that we were like doing more for our community all of a sudden. It was November 3rd and Biden was president or had been elected president. Exactly. So I would say anybody who's out there and they're just like, oh, I'm going to let it go and see how gross it gets. Just cut it down. Just shave it. Shave your head. Chop her off. Chop her off, guys. You got to chop her off. That should be our, our signature saying. Chop her off. Chop her <laughs> off, team. <laughs> Um, speaking of, and it says transition to, to be, be determined, determined. <laughs> but sure to be great. I think this is a great way to do it. It's meta. I think it is announcing that this is now a transition. Hey, you know what? This is a transition. Charlie, uh-huh. speaking of what we just spoke of, uh-huh. today we have a wonderfully bald and hilarious guest. He is an actor, writer, producer, and improviser. Improv- <laughs> doing great today. <laughs> You've done it for years and you can't say the word. <laughs> yeah. Improvisational comedian, best known for his appearances on the British 
British and U.S. versions of the improvisational TV show Whose Line Is It Anyway? He co-wrote, co-produced, and co-starred in two Canadian sitcoms, Getting Along Famously and She's the Mayor. He has won two Canadian Comedy Awards, a Gemini Award, and a Writers Guild Award, and was named Canadian Comedy Person of the Year 2013 at the Canadian Comedy Awards. This dude obviously is very funny, and this dude is Colin McRae. Did I get it wrong? Mockery. Mockery. God. <laughs> Mockery. Two syllables. Let me just say this. I shit the bed. Welcome to Bald Talk. <laughs> it was such a nice transition up to then. I know. Yeah. I think I really, when I announced this as a transition, it just all fell apart. Always look like A's to you. Yeah. No, today I have I have garbage mouth today. Nothing has worked. Um, Colin, let me start off by saying you are, I'm a huge fan, me and too. you are one of my absolute first comedy influences. Whoa. Like when I was a, when I was a teenager oh. watching Whose Line Is Anyway, I loved you. I thought you were the best. I'm totally psyched you're here. It's very cool. I can argue with you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. That's very nice of you. <laughs> No problem. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, Colin, the reason you are here uh, is that you are sharing a bald experience such as us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so when did that start? When when did you start to economize your scalp? I guess it started in my early 30s. Although mm -hmm. I look back now and I think, no, I was quite hairy. Yeah. But that's when it started. Oh, you're you're losing your hair. And it's like, oh. And then I'd say by 38, it was what you see now. That's relatively late. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm tenacious. I was hanging <laughs> on. I, I was going through all the stages of denial and anger. <laughs> and I finally accepted. And my life changed in a much better way. Wow. Did you deny so much that maybe you were doing some treatment or considering any of that stuff? Or were you just like, you know what? I... I went the minoxidil way, and I thought, why? Mm -hmm. um, no, I'm just going to embrace this. And truly, my once I, I, I accepted it and went bald, uh, my life uh, really did change. Yeah? For the better, mm -hmm. huh? Yeah, for the better. Yeah, we've had a couple of guests say that, actually, that they, they fought yeah. it, and when they accepted it, they became happier. Yeah. So how did it get better? Like, what was the, uh, the tangible change? Um, I started getting cast more because I— I wasn't an ingenue, mm. but I, I didn't quite look charactery enough to. Uh, so I was in that sort of netherworld of not being good looking enough to get the juvenile roles and not being weird enough, funny <laughs> enough looking. <laughs> being a weirdo. <laughs> Which people tend to think both. And then it just, uh, yeah. And, you know, I, and weirdly, I'm sure you guys find this that people have no thought about doing bald jokes right to your face. They'll just come up and, <laughs> oh, yeah. and I always wonder why you don't go up to an obese person and make a fat joke or it's like we're the last politically <laughs> incorrect people you can make jokes about. It's so true. Like it's, it, you know, and we, and we've brought that up a few times and we've asked, you know, people, if they think it's kind of like falling by the wayside, as I feel like comedy is less about, you know, that kind of just like going for the obvious joke or, you know, people are being more sensitive and politically correct. But it does sort of feel like, yeah, but the occasional ball joke That's is totally fine. fine. <laughs> Everybody's cool with that. I had a guy come up, a fan from Who's Light. He made a ball joke. <laughs> he was like four foot ten, <laughs> hunchback. With thick glasses, <laughs> and I thought, "Oh, and I can't say anything. That's this is amazing. so unfair." Yeah, because they're all off the That's table. Amazing. <laughs> Us baldies, we just have to take it. We just have to take it. 
but I, I got excited. Now, uh, you know, when people come up and do a bald joke, I go, hey, you know what? I'm working at a job that didn't exist when I grew up. Mm-hmm. It took me all around the world. I've been married happily for 31 years with a woman who loves me, a beautiful woman who loves me. I have a beautiful daughter. What is your hair done for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is your hair done for you? I like that. Yeah. Nothing. 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 You short hunchback glasses freak. <laughs> you Quasimodo monster. I, I just think that. I, 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 I stop with your hair done nothing. The only thing you could have done is just to hold your arm out just above his head and just be like, or offer up a high five, but just just a little out of reach. <laughs> just a little too high. Just a little too high. <laughs> I was going to go something like, you hear bells? <laughs> I feel like someone should be pulling a rope where... <laughs> yeah. Get down on your knees. And it's like, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Can you repeat that? <laughs> oh, man. Has that ever come up in a... Has that ever been sort of like a, a cheap shot in a, a Who's line or, you know... What, the ball jokes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding? They've made their career on that. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, early on, I thought, oh, you know what? It's all the poor guys have. Yeah. They don't, they can't think of a thing. So they're just going to go with, oh, hey, there's a bald guy on the show. Let's go for that. Let's go after that. Yeah. It's like, all right. Also, if you had said, if you had been like one of those guys that said to the producers, like, look, this is where I draw the line. I will not be out there made a mockery. Just telling them, telling the other improvisers, they would not be capable of like not making the joke. It would just feel like that anytime you're like, it is, it's insane because, you know, Ryan Stiles, who I basically grew up with, I've known him for years, mm-hmm. and he's pulled back a little bit, but he, he did a couple of bald jokes in a row on Who's Line. So I did a, a joke about his big nose. The audience mm-hmm. went, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's unacceptable. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> so funny. Sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah. You're unkempt cuticles. <gasps> what are you talking about? You fucking baldy. Yay. <laughs> <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> they cheer for it. I know. That's insane. Well, Wayne Brady is now yeah. uh, one of us. Oh, fellow Baldy. Big time. But still, I'm the one who gets the bald jokes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, but there's a what guy who has no hair. Yeah. He has absolutely <laughs> nothing. And yet he's cool because he made the decision as he was going bald to shave it all off right. and make him pretend he's an athlete or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of that, we're going to ask, you have the ring like Husky has, whereas I go Wayne yeah. Brady style and do the full shave. Yeah. Have you ever thought about the full shave? Um, I haven't. I'm, I'm not confident about my skull shape. Mm. That is a factor. I know that. I, I, I think, um, and then once I do it, I'd have to live with that until yeah, it grew back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, I mean, you have a lovely shaped skull. It's like perfect. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very lucky. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, it can be a, a landscape of unknowns. Like, uh, you know. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh. Especially, I, I think I'm pretty, I'm skinny. And so I'm bony. So my bones just show up in the most random places. And on my head, they'll just be like little zones. You're like, why? Why do you have that? Why do you have a crustacean growing out of the back of your head? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid of like skull folds. Yeah. 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 So I look like, you know, Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now or something. <laughs> Without the cool factor. <laughs> Just a delirium factor. The horror. <laughs> uh, the horror. But this is, uh, uh, this is right now, it's the, the most shorn I've seen, you know, of, of all the sort of images that you can Google on you right now. Um, this is the most clean, clean cut. Yeah. I had a recent haircut also. It's um, liberating, right? It is. It feels good because I it, it grows on the side like weeds, mm. so it's quickly it becomes bozo. 
Yeah. yeah. And, you know, which is good when I'm improvising, I can do like shtick with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My wife prefers it not to go to bed with a clown. Not bozo. Yeah. <laughs> I had a great moment yesterday where I, you know, reached back for the the clump of sort of like shedding hair that's on the back of my head that I just started playing with habitually every day and it wasn't there. And I was like, oh, God. And it felt really good. It felt like I'd just gotten some therapist is like, and now you don't have a nervous tick. And then took it away. I was like, oh, I'm healed. So good. Freedom. Freedom. Exactly. Yeah, I wish more people would just uh, because I I've found throughout my life. Um, my baldness never bothered me as much as it seems to bother other people. Mm-hmm. They keep mentioning it. It's like, why are you talking about it? Is it fear? Yeah. Are you afraid of this? It's like, it's no big jump in. The water is great. That's funny. It's, uh, it's coming for almost everybody. Yeah. There's a few old people that have wonderful heads of hair, but almost everybody ends up going somewhat bald. So I think it is that. They're like, they're, when they're insulting us, they're insulting their future selves, really. So we're, we're kind of like someone who walks in a room wearing a casket. You know, they're just like, <laughs> like oh. Exactly. We remind them they're going to die. <laughs> That's exactly it. Or we're evolving faster. That's possible. Mm-hmm. We could be the next step in human evolution. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Eventually, everyone will be bald. Yeah, based on yeah. All, all the sightings that people have had of, of the aliens and stuff that have come. They look good. Exactly. They're all bald. And they're all highly evolved. Aliens are always bald. Yeah. Oh, they're hairless. They're totally hairless. Whoa. Yeah, you never see an alien civilization with a good head of hair. They all died off early. (laughs) Darwinism. (laughs) Oh, wait. What if aliens were like, they were still bald, but they had a ring? Like they they had evolved in like, this is is the pinnacle. Like you need the ring. It's the ring. (laughs) The ring is truth. And I'm like a lower class alien because I don't have a ring. So I have to be like the worker. You're a worker bee. (laughs) I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna believe that it's like that on other worlds where civilization have just worshipped the ring. The fellowship yeah. of the ring. Worship. The fellowship, the of, fellowship the of the ring. Oh my god, that's the best. That's what J.R. Tolkien actually meant by that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> People misunderstood. No one sees the imagery. Are you talking? <laughs> <laughs> because you guys with the rings, you're invisible. Yeah. Just like the ring makes the hobbit. Yeah. Mordor is actually a, a, a good thing because he's like a big ring. He's a big fluctuating hair ring. Yeah. Gollum is the top of the bald pyramid. <laughs> I'm feeling so much better about myself on a show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Colin, are you based in Toronto? Is that correct? I am. Yes. Okay. Now you've spent a lot of time in America, obviously. Is being bald in Canada any different from being bald in America? People are more polite about it. Yeah. yeah. They are. They don't, they don't stare or anything. And uh, yeah. Um, and that was another thing that always got me. I, people don't really stare at bald people, but you'll always stare at a toupee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. You can't not. I can't take my eyes away when I know someone's got a toupee on. Yeah. yeah it's just like, well, who are you kidding? Mm-hmm. <laughs> take it off. Just take it off. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's going, oh, yeah, no, he has hair. <laughs> a different shade of to his skin and the rest of it there, but completely different. I know. Even if it's a really good one, if you spend enough time with the person, oh, yeah. you're going to start to scrutinize. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, it's like being in an Airbnb, like, this is really nice. And you start to notice it's kind of gross and dirty. <laughs> it's got weird little things about it. The pool's got something floating in yeah. it. Yeah, it smells weird in here if I notice it. Yeah. When people have a good toupee, it's always like I'll be talking to them and I'll be like, something's off. Mm-hmm. Like I don't necessarily immediately jump to toupee. Is that guy wearing a wire? No, it's a toupee. <laughs> 
Now that might be a good place to stash a wire mm-hmm. if you're yeah. trying to get a wire tape on some criminals or something. Yeah, yeah. There has to be. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if people have to be educated more <laughs> or what it is, but it's just it's silly that it it's 2020 and people still have the same uh, thing about hair loss. It's yeah. ridiculous. There's other yeah. things we can concentrate on, I think. Yeah. <laughs> a few other problems in the world. Not for the purpose of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Charlie noticed that uh, like in uh, Britain, they're very bald accepting. There's everybody shaves their head. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they've got other things going on, too. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the least of their problems. <laughs> but you're uh, you were born in Scotland. Do you do you get back? Do you still have family? Like what is, have you I still have family there? I've gone back a couple of times for the edinburgh uh, festival yeah uh yeah i love it there and i lo- i mean it's something i've always loved about britain in that looks never seem to matter yeah i mean yeah. you look yeah. at their television shows and movies they yes they, and they do have many good looking people but they also have people who just look like normal people mm-hmm. who have are have love scenes yeah <laughs> and it's not it's not like what oh my god not everyone is they're soap operas it's like normal looking people yeah so it, I've always admired that about them. Yeah, it's like it's that that sort of ended in the U.S. or after the seventies. I feel like the seventies. Yeah, you know that was like our time. We had a, we had a brief period where weird looking people could be considered hot. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a Dustin Hoffman era. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I I love Scotland. I went to um, Edinburgh. Edinburgh is that how I pronounce it? And uh, Edinburgh. 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 And it was so beautiful. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, a beautiful, it's a beautiful city with a castle in the middle of it. And uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, during the festival, it can be sort of, you know, that scene in Gone with the Wind when it pulls back and there's just bodies everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Talking bald, yeah. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov slash plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov slash plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers, founder and chef of the River Cafe in London. I'm Rafe Fines, and I'm having an affair with... The River Cafe. From family suppers to first dates, each week I invite a special guest to discuss their food memories, what they cook, the restaurants they choose, and the food they seek when comfort is needed. Years ago it was sausage and mesh. Yes. Now it's caviar. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> and on each episode of River Cafe Table 4, guests like Paul McCartney, Glenn Close, David Beckham, Jake Gyllenhaal read their favorite recipe from one of my River Cafe cookbooks. I'm Jake Gyllenhaal, and there is truly nothing like Ruthie's slow-cooked tomato sauce. Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Only on um, I actually, I worked in uh, Toronto for uh, on a show for two seasons, and I, I love, I love Toronto so much. It, like, is such a... I just was so calm and relaxed. I wasn't there in the winter, to be fair, which apparently is like yeah. The it, worst. It can, I mean, lately, thankfully, because you know of uh, climate change, it's yeah. gotten a little warmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, the winters are getting better in Toronto. Yeah, mm. it's not bad. Uh, but yeah, it's a lovely uh, city. I grew up in Vancouver, which is also a, a beautiful city. Right. So, based on where you spent the majority of your life. Mm-hmm the vast majority what is it about canada that is so good for comedy because i feel like it, it is just yeah like an unusually high percentage of the greatest comedians ever come from canada yeah um i think we lucked out i think a part of it was um we got a lot of uh, comedic influence from your lovely country mm-hmm. um you know when i i was growing up in the 60s shows like the dick van dyke show and you know carol burnett show and uh just and uh, comedians like uh, Carlin and some of the old, uh, like Jack Benny, uh, those guys. It was a major influence on Canada because we only got like two Canadian stations, and the rest was America. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Okay, but we also got a huge uh, British influence. Like we got yeah. Monty Python before you guys, and um, uh, shows like that. So we sort of melded it. We also had that outsider thing like we were you're, we were always in the shadow of america so mm-hmm. yeah um, you're always the awkward kids at the dance kind of <laughs> yeah so you look at things in a different way and we we sort of melded all our different influences into some and it's cold here yeah there's not much else to do <laughs> gotta joke around you're inside together <laughs> and the other thing is like it i mean it isn't such an inherently respectful polite place and and uh I think that does a lot for kind of like quiet, subtle comedy, you know? Yeah. Well, you, you spoke of like the American influence. Did improv, did it come from Chicago and Second City and, um, you know, the, uh, what was, what was the group before Second City that was born? Uh, it had like Alan Arkin and the committee. 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 Is that it? Um, yeah. Was that happening at the same time, or was it sort of like that uh, improv came to Canada and kind of grew out of Growler? Yeah, it sort of came to, um, there was an English uh, guy called Keith Johnstone. Oh, right. Impro. Yeah, he started sort of uh, this thing called theater sports, and that's when I first sort of came in contact. And then it became this kind of worldwide phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and Second City, uh, yes, always had improv, but they would sort of use it to write scenes mm-hmm. so they would have their improv set but they would have more of a structure because they'd go okay we want to do a scene about this that's just kind of afterwards hone it down and, and write it and this uh theater sports was just improv for improv sake just goofing around having fun mm-hmm. and uh, as i say i never thought that it would be a career so i really lucked out when whose line came along because yeah. um God knows what I'd be doing. <laughs> you weren't planning on being an actor and an improviser. You were just improving for fun. Oh, I was. I, I was planning to be an actor. 
Um, but yeah, improv wasn't um, a thing. See, I was in theater school uh, 77, and improv hit Vancouver like 80, mm. 1980. Okay, okay. So that's when I sort of got involved. And again, it was still, nobody knew what it was. Um, mm-hmm. The only person who was, had been a practitioner up to that point that people knew was Jonathan Winters. Oh, right. And I guess Robin Williams had just kind of came on the scene. So people were familiar that way, but they would always think, oh, it's stand-up. It's like, well, mm. no. No, yeah, yeah. We, we had to go to the McDonald's next door when we were first starting and pull people, go, come see our show. <laughs> Drop that Big Mac and get in the theater. And they would go, oh, what's it about? We'd say, well, um, we don't know yet. Uh, you're yeah. going to shout things at us <laughs> and then we're going to make it up. Uh, and then within a year, it was like the big thing. There were uh, lineups around the block and it just became really popular. So that's cool. It's, uh, that's yeah, cool. very fortunate. I did the uh, American rebranded and very Americanized renamed comedy sports, which was I guess exactly theater sports, but called comedy sports because Americans need to know exactly what they're getting. <laughs> I don't want to watch no theater. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> These guys are getting sweaty on stage. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I was just going to say, like, and Charlie also, uh, we met through the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, and that's sort of where that's where I learned improv and learned about theater sports kind of short form afterwards. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, my brain did not switch that, make that transition. Like once I kind of like learn long form, I I just, the pressure of kind of like, it it was, it was akin to like doing stand up to me. It was, you gotta be fast to do short. Yeah. You gotta be really fast and you can't kind of hold on to an idea and you gotta kind of like move on and stuff. And I was always like, yeah, more so than long. Yeah. Um, have you done much long form stuff or was it, you sort of deeply kind of there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really en- enjoy it. We, uh, there are a couple of groups here where we do, um, sort of a one act play. We get a, an author, mm-hmm. a, a play right from the audience. And then we talk to someone about their day and then we do uh, a play. Yeah. Uh, recently I've done Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, wow. <laughs> which, and I know nothing about, uh, D and D at all, yeah. but, um, Improvising was so much fun. You know, I just make, I was a cleric. Still don't really know what that is. I just kept insisting I could fly. <laughs> I, I think they do that. And the dungeon master would go, no, no, you can't fly. You can't yeah. fly. So, um, but so I, I enjoy, it's, it's certainly, it, it's definitely a different muscle yeah. from uh, in the short form. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy it because it's, it's more relaxing. And as you say, you can take time you know, connecting with the people you're working with and building a scene. Yeah. And short form does tend to be, you got to get it out there. It's fast and jokey. And- yeah. And I feel like a lot of the short form performers I I met were in, were very hyper and very, and kind of like, cause I'm from North Carolina. And at one point I went, I went back home and I was like, Oh, I'll go to the, to the theater sports here. And it just had, they were all very like, ha, 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 how about me? Ha? Like constantly. I was like, Oh guys, guys, <laughs> calm down, please. I know I'm constantly pushing for um, silence during improv. Cause mm-hmm. I think it's a great tool, Oh, totally. but it's so, cause you, th- you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to make this a silent moment. <laughs> And that's what you're thinking. But the other person doesn't seem to understand that. <laughs> they go, oh, God, silence. Start talking. Hey, call him all. Call him a baldy. You baldy. Start talking. Baldy. <laughs> say baldy. Say baldy. Yeah. What? Cat got your tongue, baldy? But I, yeah, I love silence. I love when there are a couple of improvisers will get together and just be silent on stage for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. Very fascinating. Yeah. And it's something I think we can certainly use more of. Yeah. 
Yeah, my favorite, I've done a bunch of short form and a bunch of long form. I like it all, but my favorite is like what you're talking about with your play is where you do a, a we call it a mono scene where you do th- just 30 minutes of one scene. That's my favorite mm-hmm. thing to do. And I find that um, the improvisers tend to be more, like the first time I did it, there was like three of us on stage, we were doing a scene and then one person left and I went, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> just left the scene? <laughs> you can do that? Because that never happens in short form. You stay there yeah. and let die and you see people leave. But uh, I thought, well, yeah, that's great. Of course you can leave and then come back later. So, uh, yeah, I, I do love I do love long form. In doing Whose Line, was there what was the learning curve for you of, of doing that, doing it as a televised show? Um, like... And and did they have a learning curve and how to, how to sort of like film it and and edit it and stuff or did they have it kind of mapped out? I've always wondered about that because a lot of people have tried different iterations of improv on TV and that that has consistently been the most successful one, um, maybe the yeah. only one compared to like a couple of other shows. I think it is. Yeah, that that weren't specials, you know. The guy uh, Dan Patterson who created the show, oddly is a control freak, hmm. <laughs> which That's interesting. So he's always like <laughs> grabbing his hair. <laughs> They're making it up. Um, being in control of an improv show. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. There have been times after a show, he said, you know, when we gave you the suggestion, we thought you were going to. It's like, <laughs> wow. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, we're imp- you, you made the show. We're, imp- we're making it up. <laughs> it was your idea. Yeah. <laughs> but you saw me cross my arms. <laughs> he seemed to have it pretty much planned out. So, I mean, my first show on Whose Line, I sucked, mm. just sucked the air out of it. Was it was horrific, and I was very fortunate to get another chance. And I, from the first one I did, I realized there's no holding back. You have to just go out there, yeah. and of course, yeah. you know, be aware of the other actors, but you can't you can't sit back. You have to sort of engage them, and you inspire each other. Mm-hmm. And so after my second season, I, I was fine with that. The big thing, and it really wasn't that big a thing, was the, the censorship when we came to North America. Mm. Uh, in Britain, there was no censorship whatsoever. Right. Language, content, there were people doing things to the Queen that <laughs> surprised <laughs> they could get away with. But um, the first season, we... Um, because there were no scripts for the censors to see, there would be a censor in the booth during our taping. Mm. And wow. I was doing a scene with Greg Proops where I was supposed to be in love with him. So I kissed him. This voice came out of nowhere <laughs> and said, can you make up something else? Can wow. I thought, else? oh. New choice. <laughs> yeah. And in the previous scene, I uh, killed three women and thrown them out a window. Great. Fine. Yeah, totally fine. <laughs> Absolutely. That's fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> now, the problem became uh, Drew Perry, who was hosting, has a real thing about censorship. So the next 10 minutes was unairable because he would introduce games using words that are not allowed on television. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they came to this um, sort of agreement where we would do the show and then the producer... Dan and the censor would fight over whatever may have been. Right. Yeah. They do figure it out in editing. Yeah. One of my favorite showbiz moments was Dan coming up after a meeting with the censor and going, Colin, Colin, we lost two pussies, but we got a penis. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Great. Yeah. Those were cats, by the way, but fine. However you want to interpret it. We never really knew. There were things they let by that I thought, 
really? Yeah. And then yeah. they bleeped Ryan saying hand once because it was a reference to masturbation. But where they bleeped it, it just, your mind went to a place that was much worse than the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bleeping draws attention to That's it. That's so funny. Yeah, and we would get notes like, you know, if you're going to play an old person, you can't make them shake. Um, really? You can, if you're going to do a prostitute, you can be coquettish. You can't be slutty. Mm. I was like, I, <laughs> so I would just do uh, like old shaky prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, honey, you want to come and upstairs? Best. <laughs> That's a- yeah, it was, it was very odd there. So that was, we decided fairly amongst the cast, you know what, let's just do it. We know basically what will never air and we want to get a show out. Mm-hmm. So but the stuff we're not sure on, just do it and we'll figure out as we go right. along. Because the other thing about short form is sometimes it feels, and I, I guess that is in the show, it's competitive. You know, it's sort of like, who did best? Who won the scene and stuff? Yeah. As a cast, was there sort of like, did you kind of have to build, like, uh, it wasn't every man for himself or were you guys sort of like, hey, we want the show to go. So how can we support each other, you know, take turns? Yeah. I mean, we... Everybody, you always want to be the funniest. Yeah. Um, I don't even know why the other guys tried, but whatever. <laughs> um, we, we, everybody was incredibly supportive. And you can watch when people are doing scenes in the back, you can see everyone laughing. And it, the competition came in within, um, you know, we would try to make, break each other up. Right. But we'd also try Ian uh, Styles as I said, I've worked with him for years. He would get as much pleasure setting you up for a joke and having you get the exact wording that he wanted. He would take that as a win mm-hmm. and be so excited. Oh, that's great. And so I learned that from him about there is just as much in support. It may not get, you know, the acknowledgement, but there is, it does, it actually does feel good Yeah. to see someone get a laugh that you go, you know, I set that up. You don't want to stop the scene and go, no, oh, yeah. that wouldn't have happened without me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pause everyone. I have an announcement to make. But it, it does. Um, and everyone was on the show wasn't uh, incredibly supportive of each other. It's a weird balance of being competitive, but also supportive. Yeah. I mean, what I loved about the show was at any night, someone could be the star. Mm-hmm. And everybody had their uh, fan groups. Everybody had a following, um, which I, I thought was great. Yeah, You know, you do want to – basically my thing was I just didn't want to be the worst. <laughs> so that was my bottom line. Great goal. Next to last is fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean. I love setting people up. Me and uh, Brian do this show – well, did this show before the pandemic called Facebook Improv. And it's like everyone in the group is like – roughly a decade older than me and they're all the people I watched when I was like a young improv student mm. and guy like Brian and these other guys were like my heroes and so now I get to do the show with them and I love nothing more than being like oh Brian's coming into the scene I'm going to make him a weird old hipper because <laughs> right. I just want to see how he plays it or you know yeah. Hubel's coming in I'm going to make him a mean executive because I want to see how he plays yeah. it I mean I just love that's that. really cool all my heroes are dead so uh... <laughs> Yeah, choose some. You gotta hang out with some young young heroes. You gotta pick young heroes. I do like working with uh, young improvisers because it gets me focused. Because I have to go back to, okay, I have to listen, I have to accept, and do all the things that you're supposed to do in improv, totally. rather than you know 
with the cruise line guys are much more relaxed and it's second nature, but I love yeah. working. They really keep you on your toes. I also love, like, that was one thing that struck me early, like starting improv, like the age range. After a while, I, I did not clock, like, I don't clock that, that I'm 10 years your senior, Charlie, or, or that mm-hmm. I, that I've been, some of the people that I used to watch, I started perform with, it just kind of goes away and it just becomes this, like. Yeah, eventually you just become peers. Yeah, but it's really, and where, where it doesn't feel that way is if, if you are working with someone who's kind of like heavy into the pop culture references or dependent on that kind of just like, yes. you know, yeah. or you feel like, oh, you're trying to make me look bad. <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't look. Yeah, if I do a Clarabelle the Clown reference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I see a look over my fellow improviser, I go, oh, yeah. 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 The blank yeah. eyes. <laughs> yeah. I had a Barney Miller reference one time that just not only on stage, but fully in the audience. No one, <laughs> no one knew what okay. show, who this person was. Those ones pissed me off because I. I go, yeah. come on, Barney Miller. Yeah. <laughs> We're not talking kinescope things here. We're, this is, yeah. So now I can't say Wojohowitz? Oh, you ruined my whole setup. Jeez. Uh, Colin, you're doing a Zoom improv tour right now, right? I am. Oh, wow. How is that? It's um, interesting. Yeah. It's, um, I do it with Brad Sherwood, who's also on Who's Line. He's in Vegas. I'm in Toronto. And then we have our tech crew who are using a technology I do not understand. <laughs> um, it looks like we're in the same place. We can um, still communicate with the audience. We can actually go into audience members' living rooms with them and interact with them. That's crazy. What? Yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, it's weird because there's still there's no laughter. Yeah, which yes. you know Brad is used to. It throws me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is kind of weird. So you have to be confident that what you're doing is funny, yeah. <laughs> even though you have no basis for that confidence. <laughs> the opposite um, is true. If it's silent, you're like, oh, you're fuck, like, oh. I better change directions. <laughs> but it's uh, it's been interesting. It's been, I mean, it's been different. It's been fun because there's a technical component that we can't have in our stage shows. Like we, our tech group put up backgrounds behind us and uh, use various effects, which are uh, is great, but it's, it's still no uh, substitute for... You know, yeah, being at yeah. the theater in front of an audience. Trying to picture it. So it's kind of like you and Brad are in a green screen environment and you can watch with the other. You can place yourself in in relationship to them like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, my basement is now a green screen. Mm-hmm. I have the monitor. I have a computer in front of me and a computer to the side. And off to the side, I can see where Brad is. So I try to move so that we're... <laughs> sort of talking to each other. So it's like weatherman improv. It is. It's really using a different part of the brain. And the first couple of shows, that was all that was kind of consuming me was, I don't know where I am. And now it's getting into the point where we're getting into the fun part of the improv again, which is nice. That's cool. Right before the pandemic, um, me and my friend Phil Jackson, he's another improviser at UCP, we were going to develop a TV show for a virtual reality company. And so we went went into this virtual reality company and put on these crazy helmets and selected characters. So we looked like these cartoon characters. And me and Phil were like in this weird open space, but with these helmets on in like a landscape talking to each other and doing improv. And it was utterly bizarre. Did it, did it ever become normal or was it just like, no, no. no. it was the worst improv I've ever done. 
Sometimes it's best just to go simple. A stage, two stools, an audience. Yeah. No virtual reality. Yeah. He just, just he stage, took the helmet off and just said, this should just be used for porn. I mean, just yeah. just leave it to porn. It's fine. Just leave it. Do you? So call, oh, no. Oh, sorry, I keep, no, no, I keep. This is such a Zoom. This is such a Zoom. It really is. I was just, I was just thinking about porn, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, I saw you got hypnotized into the improv. Is that true? I, I was touring up before uh, everything went south. Um, I was touring with a hypnotist. Really? So, wow. Yeah. He, we'd bring up 20 people, he'd hypnotize them, get it down to the best five, and then I would do a set with them. Oh, wow. Whoa, dude. I want to see that show. It's the most uh, terrified, I think, <laughs> I've been doing improv. Because, you know, even when you're, improvi- when you're improvising with other improvisers, yeah, I, I don't know where this is going, but you, you, there's a trust that you have. Yeah. yeah. And you know you're all kind of on the same wavelength. Yes. With yeah. this, you're dealing with, and, you know, one, I always feel like we're just, I'm just one sentence away to opening up some trauma on someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and having it come out. Or the we person that's doing, been dying to be a serial killer will finally mm-hmm. be unlocked. Oh, we were doing the scene. It was a pet funeral. And... uh so we set it up. I think it was, I think it was a platypus that had died. And uh, Assad, the hypnotist, he's going, you're really sad. You're upset. And this woman, no, oh, no, he had to bring her out and send her back to the audience because she was destroyed oh, no. about this platypus who'd been run over by a lawnmower. And I set up, if you look at the five little caskets, you'll just. Oh my god! He just, uh, it was bizarre. Wow. So. It, but it's been fascinating. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. Yeah, I've um, actually, and I don't sing at all, but I thought, you know what, why don't I challenge myself? So I do a duet with one of them. Oh, cool. Wow. And we found this woman, she was like an 80-year-old stroke survivor who just knocked this song. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What song was it? it we, we just made it up. It was some. Oh, okay. it was like a, a, a Broadway love ballad. Oh, wow. She, oh, wow. And she was going for it, so I wisely just—I'll just support. Yeah, <laughs> go back, and it was—it was amazing. Is part of it that because they're hypnotized, that they are in a state of that norm, their normal sort of like uh, you know. Yeah, their inhibitions. Are yeah, gone. inhibitions are gone. I mean, they're not performers, and then suddenly they're being told they're performers. Yeah, you know. The uh, Assad said it's the part of your mind that criticizes you mm-hmm. that is dampened. So there's no, you just, and I always talk to them afterwards to see what their experience was. Cause I always thought, you know, I won't remember anything, mm. but 80, per, 90% of them say, Oh, I remember everything. I remember everything. Oh, that's so cool. It's just whatever you said sounded like such a great idea <laughs> that I had to go along with it. And it was like, okay. I would not want that taken away afterwards. I would not want the guy to, uh, and now you're out of it. Like, oh, wait. Yeah, don't unhypnotize me. <laughs> no, it's been, there was one woman who, um, she said, I actually don't know why I volunteered. I suffer from like crippling social anxiety. Oh, wow. And I have to say, and she was this, our star that night. Yeah. And, and she said, that hour, I had, I've never felt like that. Ah, that's so cool. I, oh my God, please keep in touch and tell me that this has stayed with you and somehow has helped you. That's so funny. So cool. I'm inappropriate wow. in public all the time now. It is wonderful. <laughs> but, and I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> it's a story that captivated the nation. 
Two brothers and their sister are on the run from authorities tonight. Three close-knit siblings, known as the Doherty Gang, go on a 15-state crime spree, evading police for eight days. Police say the trio have a stockpile of weapons. Dylan, Ryan, and Lee Grace had nothing left to lose. They're like modern-day Bonnie and Clyde. Now, for the very first time, exclusive interviews with Doherty's from behind bars. This call is from a federal prison. My sister's a crazy one. I was working at two different strip clubs doing a very large amount of drugs. My brother's the muscle. The last time I spoke to my dad, told me, look out for your little brother. Something I really took to heart. The youngest is the brain. How far would you run for your freedom? There's some things that you just can't take back. You've already started this party. You might as well have fun. And that's what we did. Listen to The Doherty Gang every Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Khalil Gibran Muhammad. And I'm Ben Austin. We're two best friends. One black. One white. I'm a historian. And I'm a journalist. And now we have a new podcast. It's called Some of My Best Friends Are. Like, I'm not a racist. Some of my best friends are... Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) So we grew up on the south side of Chicago together. (laughs) And here we are. Look, all grown up. I mean, look at you, Ben. You are this incredible writer and journalist. You've written for the New York Times, Wired Magazine, GQ. You know, you've somehow made it to Harvard. You know, from from, from Kenwood to Harvard. And in this show, we're going to wrestle with the challenges and absurdities of a deeply divided and unequal country. Listen to some of my best friends are on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good Risings. I'm Marie Burns Holzer, the host of the Good Risings podcast, Spoonful of Spirituality. Good Risings is a collection of six mini-shows curated to give you a daily shot of inspiration, motivation, humor, relationship advice, and even astrology. You can curate your own morning routine by listening to one or all of the Daily Good Risings offerings available in our feed. It's the perfect daily practice for anyone looking to lead a more intentional, mindful, and inspired life. For only a few minutes every morning, I will help you release your anxieties, negativity, and limiting beliefs with a positive dose of enlightenment and mindfulness drawn from the most influential spiritual leaders. Listen to Good Risings on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talking bald, yeah! Did it ever get go too far? Did someone's inhibitions sort of uh, get a little too loose? There was a woman who was... um manhandling me mm. <laughs> and it was right around the me too uh when that was and so <laughs> immediately i put my hands up <laughs> i'm not doing anything i'm just, oh my god I'm, I'm just see it's her it's her I'm just standing here <laughs> she's hypnotized Assad is pretty good at if it's it looks like it's going to go somewhere he immediately uh right you're a chicken it just turns him into a chicken (laughs) (laughs) no she's pecking what's up help (laughs) yeah i was after one show a guy uh said you know um i wasn't really hypnotized but i didn't want to ruin the show so i just went along with it i went oh because um when you were kissing me you really seemed into it (laughs) and he went what (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah, you were hypnotized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you proposed to me, and then you gave me a long kiss. 
<laughs> that's great. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Wait, did you ever get, maybe I missed it. You weren't hypnotized as well. I wasn't hypnotized. Did you ever do that? Did you ever have him? Uh, no, I probably should, but I don't trust him. <laughs> yeah, I'm scared of hypnosis. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you've been hypnotized this whole time under his spell. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I got into this shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's raking in all the dough. Have you gotten paid for it yet? <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This isn't my house. We finally unhypnotized Colin Mockery yeah. on, on Bald Talk. <laughs> And then he realizes he's bald. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> he didn't know. So, Colin, I want to talk about your shows. The the mayor one. An evening with Colin. No, uh, no, getting along famously. And she's the mayor. Uh, both of them had a very they they kind of focus on small town politics. Is there something? Am I wrong? I just read in the summaries of the shows. Is he? One one. Yeah, she's the mayor uh, was about a. Um a woman who becomes mayor. Right. The title pretty much says it all. <laughs> it's well, what, what, That's an American title. <laughs> what is Getting Along Famously? Maybe I misread what the... Getting Along Famously was, this was the most bitter I'd been in show business. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. My wife and I had come up with this idea. It was about sort of Canada's um, Richard Burton, Elizabeth Taylor. Mm-hmm. They have a variety show in the 60s and it's just the point where um, rock and roll is starting to come in. They're longtime sort of lounge singers, kind of. Um, he's a pothead. She's a diva. And it was sort of uh, doing the show um, behind the scenes and um, during the show. And every show had two musical numbers. And two of our good friends won Tony's for a show called The Drowsy Chaperone. They wrote the music and the lyrics. So... It was a great cast. It was a great uh, concept. It was so much fun. But Canadian television is different (laughs) from American television. Do tell. Like with money and things like that. So here, so we go into the CBC, our big um, network, and my wife and I pitch it. 10 minutes in, the guy we're pitching to goes, all right, great. So um, we'll set up a time when we can film the pilot. And I thought, oh, all right. I don't understand why people get so upset about this. It's just so easy. Show business easy. <laughs> oh, I, so that was our first step. Then we found out we had to apply for something called the Canadian Television Fund to prove that we were Canadian or something. So mm-hmm. we applied for that. And um, the cast was Canadian. It took place at the CBC in the 60s in Canada, (laughs) they turned us down. Instead, they gave money to um, the L word. Oh, really? It was something about some actors who lived in L.A., which I thought, (laughs) okay, that's fair. (laughs) So we thought, okay, so we we can't do it. And then this guy said, hey, if you film this in Ottawa, you can get all kind of tax breaks and you can make it really cheaply. So we did that. We ended up doing six shows. At the time we started, the CBC fired all of their publicity department. Oh, cool. (laughs) So I felt that was a bad sign. And then uh, they said, don't worry, you'll still get some. Um, So a couple of weeks went by and I I contacted them and said, I I just have noticed we haven't got any press whatsoever. (laughs) They said, it's not your turn. Um, (laughs) Because we have a scaled back staff, every uh, new show guess one week of publicity mm. and yours is next week. I went, Oh, because oh. next week we're preempted by the Olympics. 
<laughs> and we won't be on again oh, God. for like three weeks. If we had a publicity department, we'd know that, but we don't. <laughs> yeah. We don't. So, so uh, the show ended up being canceled. Um, and both my wife, Deb, and I are very proud of it. And as I said, great cast. It was a great memory, but it was also the part of the show biz that I, I, I just don't get. Well, I'm so happy I brought it up and brought up some painful moments. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> and then right after that, you know, Mad Men and 30 Rock, sort of like our show, had split into two and become two popular shows <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> I had that with my show. With I created the show called Weird City that was on YouTube Premium. And like, it came out and it did really well. And then YouTube, like I noticed in like Deadline or something, YouTube was like, we're never making any more scripted shows, mm-hmm. they announced. And I'm like, what the fuck? And, I, you know, I call them and they go, not your show, not your show, not your show. Mm-hmm. I go, oh, okay. So I'm like this weird exception. And then like, I'd see another article where one of the executives was like, we're never making another scripted show, no matter how well it did or whatever. <laughs> and I'd call and they'd be like, not your show, not your show. And then they never did. <laughs> I did the Canadian version of, are you smarter than a fifth grader? I was the host. And uh, we did five shows. And for Canada, getting a million uh, people to watch something is your uh, ratings hit. Oh, yeah. Every show, we were well over a million. And then we got canceled. And I said, so why? They said, well, uh, we were just afraid somebody was going to win. And we th- <laughs> and I thought, but when you decided to do this, wasn't that <laughs> part of the thing? That there was a chance someone could win money on the show. <laughs> Um, we don't have any. It's like, uh, no, we had a pyramid scheme approach to it. Like, it's never going to pay off. It's like, I, well, we didn't think it through. When we came up with the quiz show, we didn't realize they actually paid the money. It is like it, <laughs> oh, early, early discovery in doing this job of until you've spent the money from the check that you cashed. It didn't happen, you know, it was like, yeah, oh, totally. Just yeah. like over oh. and over again, you're like, and my family a lot of times was like, why don't I feel like you are doing a lot of stuff that you never tell us about? I was like, I don't want to get my hopes yeah. up, get your hopes up. <laughs> I just, exactly. it just is a quiet secret that I'm sort of like focusing. Yeah, exactly. It's insane. When Whose Time was happening, it was just like the first season, it was so successful. It was, um, it was a summer replacement did great. Then it was after the Drew Carey show did great. Mm. And someone noticed, Hey, this show is really cheap. Oh no. Let's put it up against survivor and friends. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard of those shows. They're kind of, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're improv shows, right? Other improv shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, and we got, I mean, obviously we got creamed in ratings every week, but because the show was still cheap, we still made the network money. Crazy. Oh, that's good. And yeah, the TV biz is a, it's a strange thing we've chosen to do with our lives. Yeah, it is. I, I always think it's like, I've decided to jump off a building and survive the fall and win the lottery at the same time. That is just <laughs> to me. Yeah, it really is. It just makes no sense. This has been a great episode of Bald Talk. I think so. I'm looking over our notes. Let's, let's just let everybody know our process. We have something we need to plug for Colin. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, your virtual tour. We talked a little about it, but it's called Stream of Conscience. Is that correct? Stream of Consciousness, yeah. You can go to uh, PassportShows.com. It has our upcoming shows. We're touring in the UK a couple of weeks from our basement. (laughs) Wow. What a weird world. 
That's cool. I'll check it out. Was this a tour that quickly got revamped because of pandemic? Like, were you and Brad going to go on a, like an actual tour tour? Oh, yeah. We had, I think our year was booked up and then it was like, oh. And we learned fairly quickly we can't do our stage show um, in this arena because on the stage show, you know, our scenes can go 10, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. When you're on Zoom, you're immediately on television yeah. and everybody's uh, distracted. So we decided to make it more almost like an improvised sketch show. Yeah. With uh, still all improvised, but like shorter, snappier scenes. Cool. That's so smart. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 I'm sure everyone is trying to crack this kind of like tiny window, uh, uh, <laughs> like reality that we have to deal with. It's, it's, I know, it's utterly bizarre. It is. Yeah. Although I'm getting some kind of a weird thrill watching clips of soap operas where guys have to make love to a mannequin. <laughs> Somehow it just makes it's like, yeah, all right, <laughs> welcome to my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That it's not really books behind you. It's just a room full of mannequins. <laughs> well, this I know. I know where uh, we. This is another thing we do. We almost finish, and then one of us brings up a new subject. Another yeah, yeah. But I was going to ask, um, what is like? What is the CBC doing? Like, are they trying to push ahead and do new content? Because I am fascinated by our networks, their willingness to come up with new shows that are focusing on being in a pandemic during COVID. You know, they have these. Sit- My wife actually did a pilot for a, a sitcom where she had to. It was the most stress she ever had because she had to be her own tech person, mm. and yeah. all the actors were at their various homes, and. My thing was, who's going to want to watch a show about the <laughs> I know. I mean, we're going through I, it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. No, thank you. No. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of new things they're doing. I mean, the CBC's been doing what, you know, they had Shit's Creek, which just ended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A sketch show called uh, Baroness von Sketch, which was great. Oh, yeah. What I love about it, all women all over 40 and are really funny. Um, so they do take chances like that, but then every once in a while they go, we have to find another way to reboot Anne of Green Gables. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I will say, big fan of. I watched it with my daughter and it was, it was, a, it was really good. <laughs> it really was good. Yeah. Uh, are you, oh, you actually are, Brian? I really am. I, I was, oh, it was cool. one of those things like, will you watch this? And he was like, oh God. And then I just was. <laughs> no, she, and yeah, again, great, uh, a great cast. Yeah. They updated it beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, our big show is Murdoch Mysteries. You guys get that? I've heard of it. No, I've heard. I don't know of it. Turn of a century uh, detective solving. Uh, yeah, that's a trend these days. Mm. There's a lot of there's a lot of like right around 1900 <laughs> shows going on. Yeah. Better times. <laughs> <laughs> right before the first pandemic. Yeah. The year is 1918. <laughs> Everything's Early going in w- the year. No <laughs> <laughs> <Go> wrong. January. <laughs> Oh good. Uh, well, this has been fun, Colin. It was a, it was a real treat to get to meet you and hang out with you and shoot the breeze. So thanks so much for doing yeah, this. Yeah, thanks so much. Oh, man. thank you so much for having me on. It's been lovely. Yeah, and we we so appreciate your uh, your your bald status and your bald lifestyle choices and just. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I I want to put a spotlight, so to speak, mm-hmm. on uh, the bald people. Yeah, yeah. Shine forward. Yeah, like get the forehead shining, man. Yeah, and the next time some Quasimodo comes up to you and makes a joke, just <laughs> let him have it. Just say. 
like, yeah. tell him to go ring a bell. Oh, go ring a bell. <laughs> go ring a bell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Bald Talk. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Bald Talk at Bald Talk Pod. Uh, please subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast. And uh, stay bald, everybody. Shave it off. Rejoice, baldos and harrows, for we are now on Twitter. Go to Twitter and follow us at Bald Talk Podcast, where we will post links to new episodes so you can download and listen. Really, guys, we're doing this for you, so from the bottom of our hearts, you're welcome. Follow us on Twitter at Bald Talk Podcast or on Instagram at Bald Talk Pod. Not podcast, just pod. We don't like the cast part. It seemed extraneous. But if we get onto LinkedIn, it's going to be Bald Talk Puh. Someone to talk to Brian and Charlie Have a hairless party They are all there to invite you No hairdos No shampoos Interviews Only on Bald Talk I'm Oscar Ramirez And I'm the host of The Daily Dive a daily news podcast covering some of the top stories of the day. Every morning, I'll connect you with the writers and journalists who know the story so you can stay up to date and make informed decisions. On the podcast, we'll give you the latest on the pandemic and vaccine mandates, keep you in the loop on the world of politics and how it affects you, and give you the lowdown on tech and entertainment. Catch a fresh episode of the podcast every Monday through Friday. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to The Daily Dive on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's today's STEM tip. Don't throw out that old plastic bottle. Repurpose it by turning it into an awesome terrarium. Just fill it with sand, pebbles, soil, and your favorite plant. It'll grow sealed right in its own ecosystem. Learn more at She Can STEM. A message from the Ad Council. Hey, I'm Robert Evans, and bad news, everything's kind of collapsing. Good news, collapse means we have some opportunities. Opportunities to maybe make a better world, or at least a different one. On my new show, It Could Happen Here, Monday through Friday, we'll chronicle the collapse in real time, and we'll hook you up with the people who have a vision for a better future, so that you can make the new world better than the old one. Listen to It Could Happen Here on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.